Hello, welcome to the Purposeful Parenting Podcast. I'm Harriet Rowe, wife and mother of four adult children, three girls and one boy, all graduates of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and take in your weekly dose of Purposeful Parenting. Here we go. Today, I want to look at the love language of physical touch. I've talked about the importance of love and how it's the foundation of family and how we as parents must show unconditional love and we must speak the child's love language, the primary love language especially. Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell talks about these love languages in their book, The Five Love Languages of Children. Those languages are physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service. So today, let's take a look at the physical aspects of response to touch, some verses in the Bible about touch, and then finally, we'll take a look at physical touch as a love language. Okay, physical touch is very important. It serves a number of, of um Physical touch is very important. The skin sense of touch gives our brains the information that we need in order to um, relate to the environment. We're able to sense the humidity. We're able to tell whether it's hot or cold. Touch serves a very important safety mechanism for us also. If we are coming in contact with something that's hot, just feeling some of the heat is going to keep us safe and we can pull our hand back. Touch also stands to soothe us. Just think in terms of any time you've been with a child and they're upset, just holding them and stroking their hair and just patting them can make them feel a lot better. Touch helps us to relieve physical pain. And it helps us, as I mentioned earlier, to avoid injury, disease, and danger. Do you know that eight hugs a day is needed for maintenance and 12 hugs a day is needed for growth? Now, I don't know how many hugs are needed if you start out in the hole, but eight hugs a day for maintenance and 12 for growth. Hugs serve a huge purpose. They help us reduce stress. Stress. They help us um, with our fears, calm our fears. And according to a study that Harlow has done, Harry Harlow, there's a psychological and physical stunting occurs and even death if a child is deprived of, of um, touch. In fact, infants can receive all the food they need in order to survive but will still fail to thrive because of lack of physical contact. That's why a number of hospitals and, of course, orphanages will have volunteers come in to hold babies and to sit with them and to rock them so that they can get that physical contact because it's so important to, for survival. Now, let's take a look at some of the healing touches that Jesus did in the Bible. 
Jesus performed countless miracles, and not all of them, as you know, involved touching. But for me, his healing touch just emphasizes to me the importance of touch and why the child whose love language is physical touch is, is so important. I also want to stress that the person that Jesus was healing also had to show faith, had to have faith. So let's take a look at a couple of them. Matthew 9, there were two blind men. This is Matthew 9, 29. Two blind men were following along behind Jesus. And they came up to him and asked him, Jesus, have mercy on us. We want to see. And Jesus asked them, do you think I can heal you? And they both answered, yes, we do. Now, of course, Jesus could have just said something like be healed. But instead, Jesus touched them. Between Jesus's healing touch and their faith, they were healed. Mark 1, 41, 42, there was a man with, with leprosy. Now, we know that lepers were considered outcast. In fact, they could not live in the city. They had to be on the outskirts of city, the city so no one could come in contact with them. Well, the leper went to Jesus and begged Jesus to heal him. And he said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Well, Jesus was moved with compassion. And Jesus could see that this man had faith. So Jesus touched him and the man was healed. Mark 7, 31, 36 says that there was a man with a speech impediment that went to Jesus and his friends begged Jesus to, to heal him and to lay hands on him. Now, I found it interesting that it was the friends that said Jesus lay hands on on my friend. Well, Jesus, spitting on his own fingers, touched the man's tongue, looked up to heaven and said, be open. And the man's tongue was freed and he was able to speak. Again, there was that faith and there was that touch. Jesus touched him. Luke 8, 43 through 48, Jesus was on his way with the, with the man to heal the man's daughter. And as usual, there was a big crowd around Jesus. And a woman got up to Jesus, reached out, and touched the fringe of his robe. And she was immediately healed. Now, what was she healed from? Well, this woman, for 12 years, had been bleeding constantly. But she touched the robe, the hem of the garment that Jesus was wearing, and she was instantly healed. Now, what's interesting to me is that Jesus said immediately, who touched me? He knew that he had been touched. And of course, the disciple says, well, Lord, there are a lot of people around here. A lot of anybody could have touched you. Well, the woman confessed and said, Jesus, it was me. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Jesus touched her. At least she was willing to touch the hem of her garment, his garment, the power 
of the touch. Now, the last one I want to mention is found in Luke 18, 15 through 17. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them. But when the disciples saw this, they really got on the parents and said, you shouldn't be bringing your kids here bothering Jesus. Well, Jesus called for the children and he said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. He touched them. He took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. I give these examples because touch is so important and touch by the healing hands of Jesus just emphasizes that to me. Someone said, touch provides its own language of compassion, a language that is essential to what it means to be human. And for me, Jesus is definitely the most compassionate person I know. Doesn't it stand to reason then that physical touch is one of the love's strongest voices? Now, let's take a look at the child whose love language is physical touch. First, I feel like I really need to say this. Unfortunately, there is a sick, dark side to physical touch, and that is inappropriate touch. Parents, you must teach your children all the touches are not good. Please have this discussion with your child. It's more important today than ever before, and it's always been important, but especially now. And if your child's primary love language is physical touch, please make sure your child knows the difference. Margaret Atwood is right. She said, touch comes before sight and before speech. It is the first language and it is the last. And it always tells the truth. So parents, teach your child to know the truth in a touch. Think back, if you will, to your childhood. Did your parents say to you, I love you? Did they hug you? How did you know that they loved you? Was it because they made you feel like your needs were always met, that they clothed you, that they fed you? How did you know that your parents loved you? Well, my love languages are acts of service and quality time. I scored equally on both of them. Anyway, interestingly enough, the fondest memories I have as a child are the times we spent as we were watching westerns every night, sitting in our living room, eating snacks that my mother had made, and just watching those westerns. And I love westerns to this day. And 
another memory I have that's very fond and vivid in my mind is being with my grandmother during a thunderstorm. Now, when I was growing up, if there was a thunderstorm, my grandmother, mother, and father went through the house and they turned everything off. They turned the electricity off. They turned the television off. They turned lights off. Everything was off. And we would sit there in the dark. I don't care what time of day it was. Well, my grandmother and I, during these thunderstorms, would always sit together and we'd watch this huge weeping willow tree in our front yard, just swaying back and forth, back and forth. To this day, I love willow trees and I love a good thunderstorm. And if I have them both at the same time, I feel like I'm in hog heaven. Now, I don't remember hearing the words from my parents, I love you. You know, I'm sure they probably, they said it, but I knew I was loved. And you know why? It's because they met my primary love language, quality time, and they met the other love languages, but quality time was definitely met. Now, as you might imagine, hugs and kisses are the usual and most common way that we speak the primary language of love, of physical touch, I'm sorry. Now, if you didn't receive a lot of hugs growing up, you may feel awkward hugging your children, but I would suggest that you do whatever you need to get over this because your child needs to know that they're, they're being loved. And the way they know this, remember, is going to be that primary love language of physical touch being met. But while you're adjusting to this new way of speaking your child's primary love language, there are other ways that you can show them that you love them by speaking their primary language, which is physical touch. Let's take a look at some of these other ways. When your child leaves and comes home from school, make it a point to maybe get down on his or her level and maybe just hold them by their shoulders and look them in the eye and just say, I love you, have a good day, or welcome home. Another way is just a gentle pat on their back or just rubbing their hair. Hold your child or sit close when, to them when you're watching television. Read to your child. Read a book while they're sitting on your lap. This is taking care of quality time and physical touch. Also, your child that has physical touch as a love language will love to have a cuddly soft toy. And don't forget that there are games that include touching also. Wrestling on the floor, playing tag, playing touch football, or something that requires touch like dancing. And tickling. What child doesn't like to be tickled, right? The list goes on and on with different things that you can do to meet that need of physical touch in your child. 
In their books, Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell stress the importance of avoiding corporal punishment and threats with this child. They suggest that you use some other means of discipline for a child whose primary language is physical touch. And I can certainly understand that. Not speaking your child's primary love language is sort of like eating vegetables of just one type over and over and over again. And at some point, your body is going to miss certain nutrients and your body is going to start craving that food. Well, it's the same way with your child's primary love language. If he or she does not get the primary love language, he or she will start to crave it. And you know what? They may start to act out. Remember, your child needs you to love him using all of the love languages. But if physical touch is the primary language, then you want to make sure it's included and that it's used in your tool bag of love. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to our next visit when we look at another love language. Until then, remember to parent on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting, or if you would like to reach out, please visit me on HarrietRowe.com and follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose.